Hi, and welcome back to Honest to Dog Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Foley, head trainer and CEO of The Dog House. With me, as always, is my trusty co-host, Jeff Gadway. Oh, hi. I'm honored to be thought of as trusty. So today we're talking about crates and crating. I think this is a really important topic. We've seen the benefits of crating in our own dogs, and I know lots of your clients swear by crating once they've tried it for themselves and have mastered it. So today we're going to talk about why crating is important. We're going to try to debunk some of the myths around crating and why people are sometimes holdouts around crating. We're going to talk about how to pick the right crate. We're going to talk about how to introduce your dog to a crate, when to use it. And we're going to talk about overcoming some of the frequent challenges with crating. So this is like a crash course in all things crating today. Yeah, I like this because you're right. It is. It can be a contentious topic for people. And so I like that we're going to just jump on and talk about how it actually helps our dogs thrive. So why don't we start there? Uh, before we get to the benefits of crating, why do you think it is that a lot of people are holdouts around crating or push back on crating their dogs? I can completely understand because I was one of those people. Yes, you were. I hated crates. Um, and that came from... Crate hate. <laughs> yeah, great hate because I had a phobia of confined spaces. Ah. So I'm claustrophobic. So the idea of being in a tight space or like closed in really freaked me out. I, I projected that fear onto my dogs. Interesting. And so we never created Carmen until it was necessary to take her to training with Caesar. Right. All the way in California. There we were trying to train, crate train a seven-year-old dog on how to go into a crate and be chill in there. Meanwhile, I'm freaking panicking. Um, So I did all the the wrong things. So I would like throw in a treat, close the door behind her. And for being like the most food motivated dog in the entire world, she wouldn't eat the the treat she would just like look at me and stare and And, send daggers (laughs) and we're going to talk about this probably during the one about carmen but like for carmen not to eat anything was a pretty big yeah that was a really like (laughs) what is it called um like a hunger strike (laughs) (laughs) hunger strike (laughs) she was making a very clear point yeah and it's one of those things where you know this is probably one of the reasons why people should start creating their dogs from a very early age and we'll talk about this but you know we found ourselves in a scenario where we needed our dog crate trained you know for travel or for whatever and and because we hadn't done it we were kind of up against a, a time crunch up against a time boundary and you know it would have been so much more advantageous had Carmen already been trained to be in a crate comfortably before we even needed to take her anywhere I know and that's what I tell clients all the time is at some point or another your dog will need to be crate trained will will need to be crated um, in their life so if they have an injury, if they have surgery, if they're boarded, if they if you travel with your dog, all of those are just lifestyle choices that we make. And our dogs, if they've never been created before, that can be extremely stressful for them to experience for the first time. So if your dog has any surgery at a vet clinic, they will be put into a crate right after. Right. Um, if that's the only association that they've had with a crate where they wake up and they're in pain in an unfamiliar space, that's traumatic. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, giving your dog the ability to feel comfortable in a crate is actually a gift that you're giving them because when that time comes, whether it's for a surgery or for boarding or for travel, 
they're going to be they're going to be no big deal about it right and so you're giving them that gift of feeling comfortable and feeling at ease it's like putting another tool in their tool belt um, that they may need to use one day down the road for us as humans we think of confinement as scary versus confinement for dogs is natural Mm -hmm. so dogs are naturally denning animals wolves they would seek out an enclosed space to have with their pack for eating their meals for sleeping at night Um, that's a safe space that's their den so what you're saying is by giving them the ability to feel comfortable in a crate, you're really tapping into an instinctual, um, a, a, something that's in their DNA as a, as a, as a pack animal, as a den, den 100%. animal. 100%. Yep. What are some of the other benefits to crating from a behavioral perspective, perhaps? So I'm a big believer in crating as a way to prevent separation anxiety. Okay. We allow our dogs to be really close to us at all times. Um, and this actually creates codependence. And so our dogs don't really see themselves as separate from us. And so when we're like getting ready in the house, the dog's following their human around the house. And then we say goodbye. We turn around and we leave. And the dog's like, well, wait a minute. This whole time I thought I was coming on this journey. I've been part of the whole wind up in the house. And then they will go into destructive behaviors in the house or crying and barking and whining. Meanwhile, if we had just set a boundary earlier on of okay, you go and you chill in here while I go and do my stuff. We've kind of cut that umbilical cord Mm. and then they're more apt to thrive on their own. They don't have that same codependence. Just like too, if our dogs sleep in our bed instead of in their crate, that again is, is making us, we're too close. We're too intimate with our dogs. We need to give them a bit of space. Right, right. Now, what about what about puppies? Like, are there specific benefits to, to dogs kind of in the puppyhood stage to getting them comfortable with crating? Yeah. So there's a couple of reasons why crating is so, so important for puppies. One is puppies actually sleep a lot during the day. When we don't crate them and give them that necessary downtime, we're actually teaching them to be anxious and or hyperactive. So they're always on the go. Also, if they're not sleeping, they have no ability to process what they're learning. So sleep is necessary because it's called latent learning. So if you walk your dog or train your dog, crate them afterwards so that they can actually digest that information and it will stick with them. If you're just keeping your dog on the go constantly, they have no ability to absorb all that information. Your, your puppy's brain is like a sponge and everything they're just taking in and it can go into overload so quickly. So giving them those necessary mental pauses is really important. Puppies also need us to enforce boundaries and, and rules to keep them out of trouble. If you're not physically able to be doing something with your puppy like training or watching them (laughs) and you turn your back they could chew a cord and just something off the floor that's poisonous to them a plant onion chocolate they can get into so much so quickly so they really really need us to to be there to prevent as much of that as possible so having your dog in the crate will allow you some freedom to shower or go to work or do things that are necessary and and not have to keep that watchful eye over them. It's like a crib for a baby, (laughs) if you think about it in that way. So you bring up a really interesting topic. You were kind of talking there about uh, giving your dogs a safe space, you know, 
literally physically, but what about giving them a perceptual safe space mentally? And maybe talk a little bit about our boys and their associations with their crates, which were both very positive in terms of giving them a, a sense of a safe space. Yeah, so Ty's a little bit of a nervous boy and he finds so much security with his crate. So we we call it, for both of our dogs, go to your house. Because again, like changing the vocabulary we have around the crate, because crate or cage sounds kind of aggressive, calling it your condo or your den or your room or your house makes it way more comfortable for us personally. Ty loves it. You can tell him, you could be anywhere in the house and tell him, go to your house. And he books it in there. He lies down. He loves it. But we did a lot of important work around the crate to make it positive and kept it structured and like a routine for him. So for a sensitive dog to just know that's a place where they can go to relax is freeing. It's not confining. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And it makes me think of Baker too. You know, we brought Baker back from California in kind of like a soft sided uh, travel bag, you know, went under the, the airline seat. And we've had that bag for Baker ever since. And I think he's got like deep rooted associations with that bag, you know, his, his house. And we can tell him same thing, go to your house. And he like jumps in the top of the bag and nestles down. And I think he feels a lot of security and comfort with that space because he's, it's been associated with him and with us for as long as we've known him. Mm-hmm. And we made it such a staple of part of his life for like, okay, go into your house for food, go into your house for adventure, go into your house for sleep. It's all positive things. Let's, let's talk about that, you know, creating positive associations, but maybe, you know, even taking a, a half a step back, when should you and shouldn't you create? Because I think this is really, really important for people to understand, creating positive associations, but, you know, the the right and wrong use cases for creating. So most people use the crate incorrectly and they use it when their dog is in trouble. Ah. So associating the crate with punishment is a huge no-no. I want people to use it as a preventative instead of an intervention way of dealing with a behavior so most people their dogs being crazy in the house and they go get in your crate right and then we've got a dog with lots and lots of energy in their crate and that energy can't go anywhere so it turns into from excitement to anxiety really quick and that could be like shredding a bed Mm -hmm. or whining barking or even being disruptive or just sorry destructive with the crate and causing injury or bodily harm to the dog, right? Mm -hmm. Because that energy, as you've said before, has to go somewhere. You want to actually drain your dog's energy mentally and physically before using the crate. It's part of discipline and structure, yes. So what you need to do first is exercise, then discipline, then affection. What I'm hearing you say is the crate would be a great place after a long walk or after time on the treadmill or after you know, play in the backyard to give your dog an opportunity to latently learn, to rest, relax. Um, What what other times might you use a crate? Um, What scenarios? Feeding. Feeding time is a really good way to create a positive association. A lot of the times dogs get really excited around food. And also you might be having your family dinner at the same time as the dog is eating. And so they can be away and it prevents things like begging, being under the table in the way. But again, like I said, they're having a positive association with food and in their crate. And that that you get repetition so quickly in because they eat maybe two, three meals in a day. 
So you get your dog to go into their crate willingly. They get rewarded with food, close the door, they stay there, they rest and digest. Speaking of rest, what about um, crating your dog at night during sleep time? Is that something you advise? I do, especially with puppies, because once again, puppies are still learning what they can and cannot do. And if your puppy gets up in the middle of the night and piddles on the floor or chews something, you have to be able to catch it in the moment. You can't like punish them, scold them after the fact. And so too, like you just want to prevent as much as that as possible. So creating them at night allows you to prevent things like potty training errors. Because I think I've heard you say this before, dogs instinctually are not going to mess in their own den. Exactly. So So if you're eating in that space and sleeping in that space, they're not going to mess in that space. Got it. Got it. Got it. But again, with that too, your crate has to be the right size. So let's talk about that. You know, if, if, if we've hopefully convinced some, some folks that crating is, is a really positive experience or can be a positive experience, how do you go about choosing the right crate so that it's properly suited to meet your dog's needs? So for a dog who's learning how to be calm in the space and potty train, you shouldn't have them be able to walk from one side to the other. So if they can, they will mess in one area and they will eat in the other and sleep in the other. Keeping it small enough that it's confined, but big enough that the dog should be able to sit with its head fully up and not have to lower its head to avoid touching the top of the crate. They should be able to lie down fully and stretch um, and turn around. Now, if... I'm speaking out of school here, you know, keep me honest, but I feel like you've sometimes heard clients get themselves into a situation where they're trying to follow that advice, but they get a crate that's too small that their dog is going to outgrow. So, you know, are there any strategies for buying a crate that your dog can grow into and have some longevity around? There are crates that have dividers in them, um, which you can totally do. That's a great way to keep the same crate. Um, But the other option is to getting them crates for each stage of life. And you can do that like using things like Kijiji. People are always selling getting rid of crates. So you can get them at a much more affordable price. And what's your take on wire crates versus plastic crates? Do you have a preference either way? Just I know you have different tools at the doghouse and we even have different tools here at home, but what might be some of the pros and cons to different styles of crates? If I'm being completely honest, wire crates, plastic crates, they're both hideously ugly. They're, they're eyesores. Um, you can go the route of getting a really nice custom one made. And then it can be a part of furniture in your house. But really, the difference between wire and plastic crate is plastic crate can go, certain ones are like airline friendly. Okay. And so if travel is a part of your, going to be your lifestyle with your dog, get one like that. Wire ones, they do give good visibility outside the crate, which you may or you may not want. Right, right. If you get a wire crate and you're finding your dog is having a really hard time settling in it, they might be overstimulated still by what they can see around them. So just putting a blanket over it okay. can be a way to minimize that. Now you talk about kind of overstimulation or visual distractions. Where would be the best place in your home to use a crate, to put a crate so that you're ensuring the dog gets a positive experience? You kind of have to consider the dog in this because um, there's kind of two schools of thought. I'm of the opinion that crating shouldn't equate isolation okay it shouldn't be associated with being banished from the rest of segregation yeah Yeah. house and family members always in our house our crates have been in kind of high traffic areas we're also 
of the opinion that our dogs should be able to settle even with stimulation going on around them. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like there's two types of people, two types of parents, right? There are the people who are like, shh, the baby's sleeping, don't make a sound, nobody can breathe. Um, and then there were people who are like, you know what, make noise, the baby has to learn to sleep through anything. Yeah. So it's, it's know your dog, know your lifestyle. I know clients that have a crate on their main floor in their mudroom and one in their bedroom for nighttime. You can you can switch it up. And and maybe switching up or testing different environments. Because I know even at our house, we're recording today's podcast in our living room and we have a big front window uh, that is right on a busy street. And we had um, one crate there for a long period of time and it was good, it, lots of natural light and everything else, but there were a lot of visual distractions. And so we've tested moving the crate to a slightly different part of our house where there's still light. It's still part of our main living floor, environment, yeah. still part of our main floor, but a little bit removed from some of those big visual stimuli. So it, it's a good opportunity to kind of test different environments. Yeah. It might not be the best idea to have your dog's crate right by the front door if someone's going to be dropping off mail or knocking on the door while you're not home, right? That might promote barking in the crate. So yeah, keeping those things in mind for placement. What about things in the crate? Do you have any advice on, you know, what should or shouldn't be in the crate with the dog to ensure a positive and safe experience? So you want to make sure that there's definitely no choking hazards for dogs Okay. Um, who like are young or goofy or learning um, how to cope in the crate. So really, if people are really set on having a toy in the crate, the only one I allow is a Kong that's indestructible. They can stuff that with peanut butter or treats. Um, but I mean, you even want to be really careful with the bedding that you choose or putting a towel down because if they shred it, it's one thing, but if they choose to ingest it, that's quite another. I'm also of the belief to take leashes and collars off so there's no opportunity for strangulation. So think of those things like safety first, for sure, when it comes to dogs. So we've, we've talked about, you know, getting the right crate, where to put it in the house, but I think it's really important that people get right how to introduce their dog to the crate. It's not just like, oh, here's your crate, in you go, and then we're gonna take off and you know go to Toronto for the day. Um, how should owners be thinking about being very methodical and intentional about introducing their dog to the concept of crating? I use leashes to introduce the dog and guide them in and out of the crate to, to start, just, just going in and out and making it not a big deal and just using the leash to guide, um, not force. So I want the dogs, first step to be guided but the ultimate going all the way in their choice Uh and then repetition with that and you can use positive reinforcement once they're in that space they are relaxed and then start to build up that duration okay now i'm gonna ask you to be in there and i'm gonna close the door and i'm gonna see how you're i'm still gonna be right here i'm not gonna leave right i'm introducing you to something that's brand new and i need them to trust me with that space. So short durations to start while you're there and then build up, build up more length of time. And then, and two, sleeping in the crate at night is brilliant because you're there. Again, it's not isolation and sleep is necessary. So if you give your dog exercise and mental stimulation during the day, they'll sleep in their crate at night, no problems. 
That's a really interesting thought. It's it's like taking the end goal and breaking it down into smaller, more manageable chunks. It's just we're going to get the dog comfortable with going in and with out. With going in and out. And then we're going to get the dog comfortable with going in and having the door closed but not latched. And then the dog comfortable with the door closed and locked. And then yeah. closed, locked, and me in the other room and, and exactly. building and building and building. And then even like leaving the house, I feel like I've heard you say before, the first times that the dog is in the crate with the door closed and you away from the house, maybe you just go sit in the car for five minutes and come back, right? So that it doesn't it doesn't feel like, oh, my humans left me and, you know, it's just a short duration. The other thing is too, for for even if it's a puppy or an older dog, there might be a little bit of discomfort for the dog and they might vocalize at first. What's really important is that you understand. So like I've heard it from clients so many times. The puppy cried the entire first night it was home with us. Well, duh. It makes so much sense to me because it's the first time the puppy was away from its litter mates. Yep. Ever solo for a night ever. So it's going to be new. It's going to be uncomfortable. And so they're going to cry and it's going to kill you it's gonna melt your heart you're gonna feel horrible but it's it's a necessary part of the process of growth and it doesn't necessarily mean that the puppy is hurting or nope. feeling any physical discomfort it's just that it's change and it's different yeah right so they're they're processing that and you just need to bear it right because it's yeah. not going to go on for multiple nights like i think back to some of the clients that you've worked with who've experimented with creating for the first time and they're texting you saying my dog is having a fit. Um, they're crying. What do I do? What do I do? And and you just say you just need to let them work through it, right? And and generally speaking, tell me if I'm wrong on this. It's like one night, and then by the next day, the dog's like, "Oh, this is my home. This is my place, right? I feel comfortable here." So it's just getting through that initial hurdle, and then it's generally smooth sailing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the dog is just pushing back to see how serious you are with this new testing, change. Testing. Yeah. They, they might challenge, they might resist a little bit the change. And so sometimes it's just being persistent, waiting it out. What's really important is that you never let the dog out of the crate while it's vocalizing. Oh, okay. You have to wait until they're calm because what ends up happening is they learn very quickly. Well, if I bark five times, she comes and lets me out. And so that becomes the habit, that becomes the association versus if you wait and they might, they might throw a tantrum, but you wait until they calm all the way down and then you release them. Like freedom is a, a treat, right? It's like positively reinforcing the behavior that came before it. So just making sure it's not while they were whining or barking or carrying on in any way like that, that you're really consistent with just letting them out once they're calm. And that probably goes the same for introducing your dog to the crate, not for the first time, but you know, not just firing your dog in the crate when it's excited, like making sure the dog is is in a calm, submissive state on the way in and on the way out. What about building routines around the crate? I know I've heard you talk before about, you know, you're gonna leave the house, you're planning on crating your dog. When should you be putting the dog in the crate relative to actually leaving the house for dinner or for a movie or something like that? Yeah, so once your dog is comfortable with being crated while you're home, you can start leaving the house um, and and using it as that because it should be, again, like it's so that dogs can stay safe and they can't get into trouble while you're not there. What we typically do is we get ready 
to go and then we're like crap I, we have reservations at seven and it's 6 45 oh my god put the dog in its crate and it's such an afterthought in a heightened state of excitement or stress or anxiety or whatever and then we leave and what we should be doing instead is like put them in their crate 20 minutes before you leave like slowly calmly no big deal and then get ready and then leave yeah and and that's the thing too like don't make it a big to do of the goodbye okay now in your crate mommy loves you here's a treat eat this because i feel guilty leaving you in a crate but okay be good promise me mommy right and like we do all of this like just emotional dumping on our dogs yeah, and yeah, then yeah. we close the door we leave the house and then no wonder they sing the sad song of their people right because we, like we've we've set it up for failure and I feel like that's the same thing on the flip side too. When you come home, I know when we come home, I'm super eager to see the dogs and I, I miss yeah. them, but fighting that temptation to go right over to the crate, let the dog out, let them rock it out of the crate mm -hmm. with all that energy. Mm -hmm. Instead, coming home, taking your shoes off, getting a glass of water, putting your clothes away, and then waiting once the dog is is calm it's like no big deal i know with ty he's so excited to see us and wants to do his little tap dance routine that sometimes he can be you know filled with energy and wants to pop out so we'll undo the latch and then open the door and if he tries to push that boundary we'll you know reclose the the door and like wait like mm -hmm. yeah asking him to check in slow down what do you mean by check in what do you mean by that eye contact like okay. sit, sit is a submissive posture so i like if a dog sits and then i consider giving eye contact asking permission okay right okay. so so those are the two things that i look for before releasing them from the crate is a nice sit and eye contact and then we can move forward okay and it doesn't need to be i know you've said this to me before like just on eye contact doesn't need to be like a, a stare but just an acknowledgement more so yeah but holding the gauge okay gaze not like a drive-by <laughs> like because sometimes they get really smart and they they just know okay i sit and i look up and then right but are they actually calm right right so it's more about their state of mind than it is their just their state of body so just like in we talked about with the leash should represent calm opening the crate door and having freedom should equal calm and only be given once they're calm so everything in dog psychology and like behavior-based training, the association becomes calmness instead of excitement. We've talked about how to get your dog into the crate successfully and making it a positive experience. How long should they stay in there for? Are there any ru rules or benchmarks that you should be aware of? If you have an adult dog, the absolute maximum amount of time that they should be in a crate, and this is assuming they have had a healthy outlet for exercise, beforehand but max is about eight hours i think that's a bit much even for me yeah so i feel more comfortable with six i yep. think our dogs only are ever created for really four hours maybe six yeah a really good rule of thumb to use for puppies is they can hold their bladder for the amount of months they are in hours oh. so a two-month puppy could only hold their bladder for two hours. A four-month puppy, four hours, and up to six. Okay, I was gonna say 14-month-old so, puppy. No, yeah. not 14 <laughs> hours, not 12 hours for a full-year-old dog. But if, if, if you're thinking about, oh, eight hours feels like a long time, and I agree, that feels like a very long time. I'd be very uncomfortable leaving our dogs for, for eight hours. But if you think about it, 
you know, how long do we sleep for every night? We sleep from, you know, nine or 10 until, you know, six in the morning. That's 10 to six is is eight hours, right? And the dogs are okay overnight and not having to use the washroom. We get up and we let them out first thing, but it might feel like a long time in the context of a work day, but they're doing it at night anyways, holding their bladder for that long. It's true. And the other thing that you have to think about too is make time outside of the crate quality time, Mm. like walk time, hikes time, not just like chill in front of the TV time with your dog. Make it really, really impactful. And then you also won't feel so guilty about having them in the crate. We've talked about the benefits to creating a puppy, you know, for a variety of reasons, both health and behavioral. Um, Is there any scenario where you should take away the crate after the dog has gone through puppyhood or is it something that should stick with them? So at the dog house, we're firm believers that they should keep their crate for their life if, if they feel so comfortable with it, right? Why would you take that away when it's their bedroom, it's their safe space? Every like every child growing up has a bedroom and they can close that door and have that privacy and have that time to themselves. Dogs are deserving of that too, especially if we live really busy lives or we have big families. Dogs need an opportunity to turn off. I believe that they should have their crate open and as an option to them, even as they go into senior ages. Most people take away the crate once their dog is fully potty trained. For a lot of puppies, that might be as young as four months or six months. And usually around six months, they're like, you know what? I think he's old enough to be trusted. He's not so destructive. He's He knows what he can and cannot get into. He's not going to piddle on the floor. Let's try it. But what's really, really dangerous about that point in in time in puppyhood development is that's when they push boundaries the most. So that's actually when they start to enter into a really, really rebellious zone. And so if we take away a super structure, routine element of their life, we're just inviting all chaos, all hell to break loose. And so if, if anything keep the crate for your dog's first two years of life. That will definitely set them up for success. If you want to move away from it afterwards, I understand that you might have a small apartment and you don't have the space for it. But if you take that away and you notice behavioral changes, that's because your dog is is speaking out to you and, and they only have so many ways to communicate. And they're trying to say, hey, I miss my house. I could not imagine taking the crate away from our, crates away from our boys. Because even this morning, really cold day, let Baker out to use the washroom first thing when he got up. What did he do? He came back inside and went into his crate. So we leave the doors open to the crates all the time. And we give them that option, that choice to go to their safe space where they feel comfortable. And yes, we do use it very intentionally other times, you know, after exercise or when we're leaving the house, but it's a place where they can go and feel comfortable on their own, on their own terms too. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed too, Ty's done that before when we've had company over and he feels overwhelmed Uh, Yeah, where he can go into the crate and be like, whoa, I need a timeout. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's his way of communicating with us that he needs some separation. And I think that's really amazing. Liz, thank you for sharing your thoughts on the importance of creating and giving us some really practical strategies to make sure that creating is a positive experience. Where can people go to learn more about how to create successfully? People can check out more information on creating and just training in general on our blog by visiting our website, www.doghouse.ca. That's D-O-G-H-A-U-S dot C-A. Thanks, Liz. Thanks, Jeff. We'll see you next time. See you next week. 
If you've got questions, we'd love to hear them. Drop us an email at hello at honestdogpodcast.com or slide into our DMs on Instagram. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment or a review. We'd love to hear from you. We release a new podcast weekly. Follow us on Instagram at honest to dog podcast.